think, a perfect song to kind of segue into the very last message in the book of Joel because we're talking about, for the last several weeks, wind and rain and what is the perfect weather forecast. What is the ideal weather to be outside, to be inside, to do something, to go for a walk, to go on vacation? What is the perfect weather forecast? Well, God, in this passage of Scripture today, teaches us that the perfect weather forecast is found in heaven and how God gives us not only a glimpse into what heaven is going to look like, but also a glimpse into all of eternity in both heaven and in hell. And God's desire through this entire book is to bring his people along so that they might turn from their sin and trust in him. So if you have your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to the book of Joel chapter 3. As we conclude our series this morning, not only with the book of Joel, but also in celebrating God's ultimate sacrifice and his son in giving us Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins that we might truly not only have life here, but have eternal life. And that's what this picture of Joel chapter 3 is all about. Sort of a foreshadowing of sorts of what the perfect weather forecast is going to be like in heaven. Weather is one of those things we can debate all day long. Some people like it hot, some people like it cold, some people like sunny, some people like snowy, and some people are just weird in the kind of weather that they like. And I read a story a few years ago of a group of guys that had called a golf course early one morning because they heard what the weather forecast was going to be for the day. The golf course was located in Minnesota, and they wanted to play golf in February in Minnesota. They heard that the high for the day was going to be an amazing and balmy 35 degrees. They could not wait in February to get outside in 35 degree weather and play golf. They thought it was a heat wave. In February, it's never 35 degrees in Minnesota. But these guys heard that it was going to be that warm and just took out their golf clubs, ran to the the place to go play golf in a light jacket, maybe even a light sweater, but couldn't wait to get outside. Now some of your faces are telling me, no way in the world would you play anything outside when it's 35 degrees. I would play throw another log on the fire in the fireplace. That's the game I would play. But that's about it. I mean, that's, a, that, you, that's not a go outside for a picnic kind of a day. But some people, I told you, some people are weird. Some people think that, you know, it's just, it's perfect when it's a certain type of forecast. And that's why that's one of those topics that's safe to talk about and safe to debate because everybody has an opinion of what they like. But God tells us in his word that there is no debate of what the ideal forecast is in heaven. He sets the temperature, he sets the thermostat, and nobody gets to change it. Nobody wants to change it because it's perfect. But you see, just as perfect as heaven is described in this text and in other places, it is exactly God giving people exactly what they need forever. The perfect forecast, the perfect amount of food, the perfect amount of rest, the perfect amount of everything for all of eternity, and yet God describes hell as the exact opposite. God describes hell 
as getting exactly what you wanted for the rest of eternity. And that is one thing, eternal separation from God. You think about what somebody who lives their entire life on earth, outside of a relationship with God, what is the one thing that they want? What are they begging God for? What are they telling the world that they can't live without? It's not money. It's not fame. They want God to leave them alone. And so God describes hell as eternally getting that one thing that you asked for your entire life, and that is eternal separation from Him. And God describes in His Word today and tells us all throughout Scripture that is not God's desire for you. I hope that you found Joel chapter 3 as we finish out this text this morning, beginning in verse 17 to the end of the chapter. And if you're able to, would you please stand as we read this passage of Scripture together? Joel chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 17, So you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. And Jerusalem shall be holy, and no strangers shall never, and strangers shall never pass again, pass through it. And in that day the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk. And all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water, and a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord, and the water in the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall become a desolation, and Edom a desolate wilderness. And for the violence done to the people of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem to all generations. I will avenge their blood. Blood I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at this passage of Scripture and hear from Your Word a beautiful description of what heaven will be like, Father, may we be eternally satisfied and comforted and provided for knowing, God, that You have all of the glory of heaven designed for us, your people, to celebrate and to worship your glory forever. God, may today we have a taste of what heaven will be like and long for it and look forward to it and God, that we would be delighted in it. And Father, may we be motivated today, even still this hour, to tell someone who has never come to faith in Christ to turn from their sin and to trust in you because of what they have to look forward to is nothing to look forward to. God, may you encourage our hearts today to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God uses the prophet Joel to describe in this detail what heaven will look like. And he talks about Jerusalem, he talks about Judah, he talks about this land that God has blessed and has called his land for his people, but he uses these forward-thinking descriptions, meaning that it's not just the here and now blessings that God's going to pour out on his people, it is the eternal blessings that he's going to give. You see, in this early 
uh, early on in this book, uh, back in Joel chapter 1, if you've been here for all of these messages or you're familiar with the book of Joel, you know that God's people caused God to pour out judgment upon their land and they lost some very precious resources that God had provided for them. Grain and offering and, and all of the oil and the water and all of these opportunities that they had to not only produce things with their hand, but that God had provided through cattle and livestock that they could then not only live on, but then offer back to Him. God had brought judgment onto the land because of their sin and began taking those things away. But as they turned from their sin, God poured His blessings, earthly blessings, back on His people and restored those things. What God says in Joel chapter 3 is, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now that's horrible English, but it's a great way to put it. You haven't even begun to see the blessings that God is going to pour out on His people who have eternally turned from their sin and trusted in Him. This is why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is why we talk about the cross and the empty tomb. This is why we thank God for the beauty of heaven, not because God is just giving us in the here and now, but because God provides something only He can give for all of eternity. And In this description, God paints a picture of what heaven will be like. Here's the first description that He gives to us. He says and promises you will never meet a stranger. Now, for some people that are hermits, and you love to be inside, and you don't do social media, and you don't like meeting people, and you don't like getting out of your shell, this might make you a little uncomfortable. But what God says in His Word is, heaven is going to be a place where we never have to say goodbye. All we get to say is hello. It's going to be a place where people aren't going to be unfamiliar. They're going to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. He begins in verse 17 by saying, So that you will know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never again pass through it. Only God can take people from every tribe, tongue, language, continent, people group. Only God can take people of every skin color, of every language barrier, of every nationality, of every country and every ethnic group and put them all in one place and let everybody say, I'm glad to be here. Now if you walked into a room and you saw people kind of grouped together based on skin color, based on socioeconomic things or based on a language that they speak that you don't understand you would begin to kind of gravitate toward people that are more like you you would talk to people that you could understand you would begin to build relationships with people that were similar to you not necessarily because you don't like other people but just because you have a harder time understanding where they come from God takes care of all of that in heaven and what God does in heaven is He unites us all through one thing, through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. We are all in heaven as brothers and sisters in Christ because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, His Son. And God takes away every barrier that separates us. 
and unites us all through the cross. You see, what God does in heaven is what he desires to do on earth. God does not want us as a church to be exclusive against certain kinds of people. He does not want us as a church to look at a certain demographic in our community and say, well, we're not going to talk to those people. You know, I made a statement years ago that I think is really true. If you have any group on the planet that you call those people, to those people, you are those people. Let that sink in a little bit. Because just as weird as you think they are to your sense of normal, that's how they look at you. You're weird to them. What God desires to do on earth is to bring us all to the table of the Lord's Supper. He desires to bring us all to the same place at the foot of the cross where we all realize that we are sinners and in need of God's grace. Now, you could study lots of theology. You could read lots of books. You can study some of the deep thinkers in the world, but none surpass the theology and the depth and the sense of human perspective like Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz, by the way, was the creator of Peanuts. Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus, Pigpen... You talk about a look into the human condition. Every Sunday you can get a newspaper or you can go online or you can buy books and read the Peanuts comic strip and hear the depth of the theology and the human condition from Charles Schultz. For example, one day Charlie Brown and Lucy were hanging out at a fence. He's on one side with his arm up. She's on the other side with her arm up. Charlie Brown says to Lucy, all I need in the world to be happy is for one person to tell me that they like me. And Lucy looks at Charlie Brown and she said, Charlie Brown, are you serious? All you need is to have one person say that they like you. Charlie Brown says, that's it, Lucy, that's all I need. I just want one person to say, Charlie Brown, I like you. Lucy said, let me get this straight. What you're telling me is that in order to be happy, you want one person to walk up to you and say, Charlie Brown, I like you. Is that what you're saying? Charlie Brown says, that's it. That's all I'm asking for. Lucy said, are you sure? And he says, absolutely. Lucy looks at Charlie Brown. The next little block, you see her walking away and she says, I can't do it. I can't do it. Unfortunately for the church, some of us are that way with those people, whoever they are. Whatever they look like, whatever, however they live, whatever they do, whatever they don't do, we just have a hard time looking at somebody different than us and saying, I love you because Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you. We have a hard time breaking down those barriers, but what God says in heaven is we're all going to be the same. We're all going to belong to him and we're all going to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Why can't we practice that now? Why can't we look at people different from us and see them the way that God sees them? Why can't we look past some of the 
lifestyle choices, some of the issues that people have, some of the background that they come from, the color of their skin, the language they speak, the continent that they live on, or whatever they do for a living. Look past all of that stuff and just see them as a person that Jesus died for. Because in heaven, God says there will be no strangers there. So let's practice on earth, meeting as many people as possible and presenting the gospel of Christ to as many people as we can so that we can take as many people to heaven with us as possible. The second part of that picture that God paints for us in the book of Joel is that you will always have a supply. You'll never meet a stranger, but he also says you'll always have a supply. Now, if you ask somebody, particularly in America, where we have the opportunity and the availability to buy whatever we want, as long as we have money or credit, you can buy what you want. We have opportunity to at least lust after it and, and covet it and just desire it. We can see it. We can find it. We can look at it. You ask most people in America what makes them happy. And a lot of times what you will hear is something tangible, something they can put their hands on, something they can put in their mouth, something they can put around them, something that they can get inside of, something that they can hold on to. And God says to his people, let me explain this process to you. Notice in verse 18, he says, and in that day, understand by the way, not today, in that day. What God does not promise to you today is that you'll have everything in the world laid at your feet. Some of you are going to struggle. Some of you are going to have difficulty. Some of you are going to make more money than others. Some of you are going to be like those that Jesus saw coming into the temple and just pouring money into the collection plate. Some of you are going to be like the widow that you find two little copper coins that you can rub together and give those. A lot of times you'll hear this on television, you'll read it in books. People promise you if you give your life to Jesus, Jesus will give you everything your heart desires. What God says is, let me explain this to you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing, but I can tell you that blessing today may look different than what you want it to look like. God may bless your reputation and your character. God may bless your influence. God may bless your income. God may bless your health. God may bless the, the, the job that you have. God may choose to bless you in ways you never even saw coming. But he says in verse 18, in that day, meaning in the future, the mountains shall drip sweet with sweet wine. The hills will flow with milk. All the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water and a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water from the valley of Shittim. What God is promising in his word is that when you give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ and your life comes to an end, you don't have to worry that your life will not be provided for. You don't have to worry that you have to get up in the morning and go to work. You won't have to worry about looking into the refrigerator and the pantry and saying, what are we going to eat today? You know, that's a great parent answer. A kid says, Mom, 
I'm hungry. Can we stop and get some food? And the parent answer is, we have food at home. Now, the food at home may be dry Cheerios and some spaghetti sauce and a boiled egg. And the parent says, look, you just put all that together. We have food at home. Just eat that. No kid on the planet wants to ever eat that in any combination ever. But what God says is, there's coming a day when he will say to you, we have food at home. And what you will find in God's eternal pantry of provision is everything that you need. God will take care of you. We sing about it. We talk about it. We rejoice in what heaven is going to be like. But friend, the bounty of heaven does not deter- is not determined by the kind of skills that you have and the kind of education that you have. It is all dependent upon God. And what God promises us is that he will rain down those blessings forever. My favorite commentary, my favorite illustration of all time about God's blessing is a little girl getting into an elevator. She says, it's the funniest thing. I step into this little room and the upstairs comes down. You think about heaven for just a moment. That's exactly what God does. You step into Jesus Christ and the blessings of heaven come down to you. And you have blessings here and now. You have the provisions of God now. But my friend, you haven't seen anything yet. The Bible promises us that no eye can see, no mind can comprehend what God has in store for those who love Him. If there is ever a reason to trust God, it is to trust God because you can't do it all. You can't provide for everything now. You can't provide for everything eternally. But God can. He promises that you'll always have a supply. And then the last thing that God tells us in His Word about the beauty of heaven is that you will always have a Savior. Look at verse 19. He begins with Egypt and Edom. And He says, Egypt shall become a desolation and Edom a desolate wilderness. For the violence done to the people of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. God uses in the book of Joel two examples of two nations that have turned from him and never wanted to look to God. He uses Egypt and Edom as an example to say, now if we're going to talk about countries that are outside of the blessing of God, if we're going to talk about a group of people that don't trust in me, If we're going to talk about people that do harm and destruction to God's people, let's use Egypt and Edom as an example. And these people, this group of people that are sinful, that are wicked, that want to destroy God's people, they will have everything stripped from them. Everything that they worked for, every land that they wanted to harvest, every amount of blessing that they ever worked for They will work, they will try, they will sweat, they will work, but everything will be ripped from them. Imagine for a moment someone who has never given their life to Christ 
Someone who trusts in anything and everything to make them happy, to keep them satisfied, to give them hope, to provide peace, to give them friends, to give them some kind of a warm, fuzzy feeling at night when they try to go to sleep and they're worried about everything. Imagine for one moment that feeling of not having, of wondering, of no peace, of trusting something else. Imagine that forever. And what God says to those that will spend eternity separated from Him is that they will never have what they need. A lot of folks think, oh, well, hell will just be an eternal party. It'll be a place to just have fun with all of my friends people I hadn't seen, we won't have to do good, we won't have to worry about it, all it will be is just a great big party. The way that the Bible describes hell is literally getting the one thing that you wanted in this life forever, and that is separation from God. See, God is consistent in His Word. He says, if you'll turn to me, I'll give you peace. If you turn to me, I'll give you that blessing that you need. Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your request known to God, and God will give you the peace that passes all understanding and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, one of the greatest things that God does is provide for us the very thing that we need. And you take that and you think of the exact opposite of that forever in hell and it is forever longing for what you need and never getting it. You need peace. You need forgiveness. You need relationships. You need the closeness of God. You need the blessing of God. In hell, there is none of that. There is loneliness. There is a sense of restlessness. There is a fire, the Bible says, that will never be quenched. There is wailing and gnashing of teeth. There is everything that is the exact opposite of heaven where God provides peace and God provides himself and God provides blessing. In hell, there is none of that. And I have to say that if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, what are you waiting for? God desires to pour blessings upon you. God desires to bring you into His family. And the entrance way into the family of God is through the cross of Jesus Christ. Friend, if you never accept that sacrifice and never come to that moment, Egypt and Edom, places of desolation, places of emptiness, places of lostness is all you have to look forward to. But God says, but Judah will be inhabited forever and Jerusalem to all generations. Forever is a long time. Forever is endless and infinite. And for many of us that have entered into a relationship with God, we cannot wait 
to be free from sin and temptation and struggle and challenges and difficulty and pain and and issues and bodies failing and we can't wait to be out of a world that is sick and infested with sin everything that god has promised we have so much to look forward to but friend i'm going to tell you if you've never given your life to christ you haven't seen anything yet if you think that the struggle is real if you think the pain is intense if you think that the desperation and the lostness is too much to bear, it only gets worse from here. And this is why. In every page of Scripture and all of the Bible, God pleads with us to turn to Him. That we might have eternal life and that we might have it abundantly. In fact, that's why at the conclusion of this series today, I wanted us to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as a church body to celebrate all that God has done for us through Christ. And to have this celebration as a moment, as the New Testament in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 says, when God's people, the early church, came together and broke the bread and distributed the cup, they did so as a proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And I want us as a church today to celebrate what God has done for us in Christ and make it our call to repentance to all of those that have yet to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask our deacons, if they would at this time, to come forward in preparation for the Lord's Supper. And as our deacons come to prepare for this time of of communion, I want to give you an opportunity to have, as the Bible calls us to in 1 Corinthians, to have a time of examination. This time of examination is for all of us but it happens at the cross. So this time of examination, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, this is a moment to realize in your own heart and your own life that you've never turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus. And if that's you, and if you've never been born again, then when the cups come and when the bread is passed, just let those plates go on by. Because in just a moment, after this time of celebration is finished, you'll have an opportunity to respond to God. But if you've given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ and followed the Lord in baptism, whether you're a member of this church or not, if you know the Lord Jesus personally and follow Christ in baptism, then we invite you to participate in this celebration of the Lord's Supper. But the Bible calls us to have a time of examination to determine, first of all, whether or not we are in the faith and have been born again. And whether or not there is something that may keep you from participating today as a born-again child of God. If there is, use this time to examine your heart, get right with the Lord, so that you can celebrate with us in full assurance of faith. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful that during this time where we can pray and seek your face and trust in you, And know, Father, that you have provided for us not only blessings on this earth, but blessings that are eternal. Father, the gateway for all of those blessings, the the gate that we pass through, is through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we can never truly know the blessings of heaven until we know Jesus, your Son. 
Father, if there is one or if there are several here today that have never given their life to Christ, we pray, Father, that you would convict them of their sin and through the presence of your Holy Spirit draw them to yourself. God, that they might come to know you personally today. God, if there are believers that have been born again and followed the Lord in obedience and baptism, Lord, may you purify our hearts and minds today. And Lord, may we enter into this time of celebration with full assurance of faith and knowing, God, that you have washed us clean of our sin, that you, Father, have heard the repentance of our heart, and God, that you know us better than we know ourselves. We thank you, Lord, for this time and pray that you would be glorified as we celebrate what Jesus has done for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walk this way on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of uh, places you can find this broadcast, you can find messages that I've preached, and I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.